All right, grab your notes out, grab your pens. We're in part three of a series entitled Last Words. And the last words of anybody would be very important. You'd want to lean in if somebody you loved were giving you the last words on their deathbed. Well, these are some of the last statements, the last words of Jesus. And as we look at this, Hebrews chapter 12 is a theme verse for this series. And I want us to take a moment to read this in the message paraphrase. We read it in the NIV a couple weeks ago. Let me give it to you in the message paraphrase. As the Bible says, keep your eyes on Jesus. I mean, that's just a good thing to do in every situation. Who both began and finished this race that we're in. We're in. Study how he did it. That's what we're doing over the next few weeks. Studying how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, meaning he finished the race. And he's in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, which by the way, could you look at me for a moment? Has anybody ever had a bad day like that? Almost like surrendering, like, God, are you there? Like, I'm not even really sure what I believe. I'm going through something so difficult. God, are you there? Whenever you feel like you're flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, the long litany of hostility, and see how he plowed through it. That'll shoot adrenaline into your souls. I love that. I love that. Let me ask a couple questions. Number one, how many people here, well, you would say that you have a tendency to be generous, to be willing to share, and to put others first. Can I see, see your hands? Okay, wave them. okay, put your hands down. How many of you are not necessarily like that? You're more the type that would lean to being a little bit more self-focused. You want the first slice of pizza. You want to get the last ice cream out of the box. Come on, wave at me. Any honest people in the building? Come on, wave at me. Man, this church is selfish. Look at all these hands. Isn't it funny how we live in a world that has such a dichotomy. Like there's, there's many people that are very self-focused and then there are very many that are self-less. And, and here's the thing. I started thinking about how, how many of us tend to think that we are self-less, like we always prefer other people until it gets to everyday living. For instance, how many have ever had this happen where you're fighting for a parking spot, you see one parking spot and you and another person make eye contact and you race over there together. Come on, talk back to me, somebody. What do you do? Like, have you ever had somebody steal your parking spot? What did you do? What did you do? God bless you. No, you didn't do that at all. There was no God bless yous. You race over there, and you put your blinker on first. You put your blinker, my blinker's on first. Blinker, see, can't you see my blinker? Blinker. They're going there trying to fight, and you're like, oh, no. You talk to people in your car like you wouldn't talk to anybody else in the world. They can't hear you, so you have to be overly expressive. And you're just like your eyes and your mouth and your neck. I had somebody steal my parking spot right over here in, in, in our city. Like, I, they stole my parking spot. Here's what I was doing. I had my blinker on. They didn't come from in front of me. They came from behind me, around me, in front of me, stole the spot. But I passed her in this city. So I was like, God bless you. <laughs> A few weeks ago, I was in San Francisco. I don't pass her in that city. I pulled up. I pulled up. 
I know it's about the parallel park. Everybody knows when you parallel park, you pull in front of the spot. Put my blinker on. I start to back up. This lady comes from behind and pulls frontwards into the parallel spot. Again, I have no bumper sticker that says, follow me to Fellowship Church. I do not pastor this city. I put my hands out the window like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? She backed out and left, and I was like, that's right. That's your pastor. Don't clap. Don't clap. That's very pitiful. <laughs> so wrong. Two days ago, my, my daughters and I were trying to look for a movie. And so we're looking at all the red boxes, and uh, they, they didn't have the movie. We went to three. And then I went on my phone to redbox.com, and I saw that they had a movie at a grocery store, and we raced over to this grocery store. When we get to the grocery store, I don't even park. I say, girls, jump out of the van. I slowed it down to about five miles an hour. They tucked and roll. <laughs> Just jump out, take the debit card, race in there. So they're walking in, and they come out, and they tell me, they said, Dad, we were walking in, and then we heard a mom and a daughter at the, at the checkout stand saying, let's go get a movie. When they heard that, something clicked in them, and they began to run to the red box <laughs> so, they, so nobody would get our movie. Train up a child on the way they should go, right? <laughs> selfish dad, selfish kids. <sighs> it's just the way it is. How many of you ever have this problem where you're trying to get in and trying to merge, and, and they don't let you merge? Oh, now I'm talking. See, all you people that raise your hand like, I prefer other people. I'm super gen. Okay, put yourself in this position. What did you do on Friday when they wouldn't let you in? Dude, isn't it frustrating to, like, you're trying to merge, you're trying to get in, and they just refuse? Here's what I found. I found that if you, if you make eye contact with them, they'll let you in. But they try to act like they don't see you. <laughs> Blinker, you're like, can I, 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 can I? If they see you, they have to recognize you're human. Then they're like, okay, go on in. How many have ever called shotgun before? Selfish, selfish, selfish. What is that all about? Shotgun. What? Oh, it means I want the front seat. I want the best seat. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that is how most of us live here on this planet. We want our needs to be met first. Somebody say, me first. Can I tell you, that's not what Jesus did. And that's not how he lived. He lived the exact opposite. Jesus has done everything on planet earth to not serve himself, but to serve others. How many are grateful that Jesus Christ came to serve us? Come on, let's clap our hands and say a good amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, too, is a theme verse for this series, and I read it in the NIV a couple weeks ago. Let me read it in the message paraphrase. The Bible says, keep your eyes on Jesus, which by the way is just a good thought for anything in life, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. And that's what we're doing over the course of this next this series, is studying how he did it. <clears throat> because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That's important. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, and that'll shoot adrenaline 
into your souls. Say this with me. Jesus is always others focused. Say it one more time. Jesus is always others focused. If you've ever seen a picture of the crucifixion, I've been to Israel and I have seen the mount which they believe is the place where Jesus was crucified. You didn't just see one cross. You saw how many? You saw three. Because Jesus was crucified in the middle of two thieves. And these thieves were guilty and Jesus was not. And we find in Luke chapter 23 this next statement of Jesus that we're going to look at today. As we look at the seven statements of Jesus, how he even in in his worst day, he was able to turn around and give us some life lessons through what he said on the cross. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus and said, aren't you the Messiah? If you're the Messiah, then save yourself. Like, here's Jesus dying, and he's got this guy in his ear. Why don't you save yourself and us? But the other criminal stopped him and said, man, don't talk to him like that. Don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence? Verse 41, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. How many know that when we sin, there is punishment, and we deserve it? But I'm so grateful to Jesus Christ that he paid for our sin that we don't get what we deserve. We get grace. We get mercy because of Jesus. Come on. Is anybody grateful about that? But this this thief understood a principle. You sin, you get what you deserve. And, And that's true. But the message of Jesus, the message of Easter is that we don't get what we deserve. We get grace. We get mercy. It's, it's withholding what we deserve. We're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And that was a true statement. He, he was sinless. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here's the statement, the next statement we're going to look at today. Jesus answered him and said, read this out loud with me, everybody. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. I want you to think for a moment because there are people all around us who are begging for us to help them. They feel hurt. They feel overlooked. They feel abandoned and forgotten. And it is our job as as Jesus has changed our life to reach the people who are reaching for help. A few weeks ago, a few uh, sorry, years ago, uh, we have served the city for many years, and we're doing so again in three weeks. We have what's called a serve week, but we went to this one place, a precious area in our city. We love our city, and we'll take responsibility for it. Can I hear a good amen? amen. So there's some need in a, an apartment complex, and we went over there uh, by the Antioch Mall, and we showed up, and we threw them a block party that they would never forget. I mean, we fixed their broken down basketball courts. We gave them free barbecue. We had jumpers. We had face painting. We're giving out free stuff. Like, it's kind of like a garage sale, but it was all free. (laughs) So we're giving them brand new dish sets, brand new fans because it was summertime. They're hot. We're throwing out, you know, water balloons with money in it for kids. Just all types of fun stuff. Bikes and skateboards and scooters, just loving on the kids. And then at the end, we gathered them all up and said, guys, do you know why we came today? We came because God sent us here to let you know that you are not forgotten. You are not overlooked. God loves you. He has a purpose for your life. And 65 people gave their life to Jesus on that one Saturday. That's an amazing moment, man. That was totally worth it because we love our city. And everything changed. They were reaching out for help, and we wanted to show up and let them know you're not forgotten. You're not overlooked. 
As a matter of fact, in three weeks from now, you have on your chair in front of you a Serve Week card. And what we're going to do is we do this three times a year where we take an entire week to just serve our city in practical ways. You can do this with your small group. We're actually asking every small group on this, on the date, April 9th through the 15th, to not meet in your normal gathering as a small group, but to go out and serve the city in some way. I had one, one small group, they're going out to do laundry love. You say, what is that? They're showing up at a laundromat, and they're going to pay for everybody's laundry, give them quarters, give them uh, detergent, give them fabric softener, and just tell them God loves you, no strings attached. So just think about creative ways that you could serve the city. Stand out at the corner and, and, and by the restaurant row area. Have, pan, ha, pass out some free packs of gum, because who doesn't want gum after lunchtime? Come on, somebody. But everybody who, whatever you do, it's super simple, super small, but they get a card that says, God loves you, no strings attached. I'll tell you what, people's lives are changed by the small acts of kindness when we attach Jesus' name to it. So fill this out today. We need to know today what your group is going to do. Let us know by the end of the service, and you can place that in the offering basket as it comes around. But here's, here's where Jesus is. He's literally nailed to a tree, two thieves on either side. He's hanging there. He's been betrayed. He's been falsely accused. He has been rejected, abused, humiliated. He's hanging there bleeding. And in the midst of his own pain, he turns around and sees somebody else in pain. In the midst of his own bad day, he turns around and sees somebody else is having a bad day. And he looks and he says, I'm going to now invest in you even in the last moments of your life. Listen to me. The world comes along and says this. You need to look out for number one. Hey, look out for you. Just look out for number one, right? Because nobody else is going to look out for number one. The problem is you were never meant to be in the number one spot. That's God's position. Can I hear a good amen? amen? And then Jesus says in Matthew, the next verse, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, everything inside of you. Put God first. And then he says the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even on Jesus' worst day, he was others-focused. Today, you will be with me in paradise, he said to a thief who did not deserve his love. I'm so grateful today that we don't have to earn God's love, but he gives it to us freely. Amen, somebody? Here's what Jesus modeled. He did not just say. Write this in your notes. And that is to help others who are experiencing the same struggle. Help others who are experiencing your same struggle. When, when we're in pain, you can still be looking for other people in pain. Here's the crazy part. It helps you too. This is the weird part of, of God. When we bless others, he blesses us in return. And here's what it does. It keeps you from getting several things. Number one, it keeps you from getting isolated. Keeps you from getting isolated. How many know it's really easy to isolate yourself? To go home, to lock the door, turn the lights down dim, close the blinds, and watch the most depressing movie marathon on Netflix. And you isolate yourself from everybody else. Well, serving other people, even in your worst day, looking to help other people keeps you from being isolated. Number two, write this down. It keeps you from being self-focused. Keeps you from being self-focused. If you're struggling with depression, my first advice is to go on a mission to serve other people every day. To not get so inward focused. Not just, it's just not me, myself, and I. That's an unhealthy small group. 
to not just think about yourself, but to say, I'm going to go out of my way to serve somebody. Do a random act of kindness for somebody else in the name of Jesus every single day. And I'm just telling you, it'll help you. You, as a matter of fact, you probably don't know this. You help me. Because I've had some bad days. And I come here and I'm not just thinking about me. I'm thinking about you. I don't come to church on Sundays for me. I come for you. I come for those who aren't here yet. And there have been some days, can I be honest? There have been some days, like I'm preaching on marriage and Diana hasn't talked to me in two days. Hello, somebody. (laughs) Your pastor. Confessions of a pastor right now. Well, guess what? I I now know that I'm responsible for you. I I know now that I need to help you. So because of my focus on you, I deal with my issue a whole lot quicker. I go to Diana, babe, can we be friends? Like, let's talk again. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I know I'm about to get up and preach to all these people. Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I deal with my issue because I'm not self-focused anymore. I'm thinking about those people who need me. And Diana. Uh, And Diana. Okay. So I'm telling you, you have helped me. Listen, if the devil can get you distracted, it makes you ineffective. Let me try this on this side. If the devil can get you distracted, it makes you ineffective. He's, he's not just trying to destroy your faith. If he, if he can't get you to like quit right now, he can get you distracted and he can get you to do the same result. He wants you to get so distracted, like just focus on you. Hey, we, we have issues. Let's not worry about reaching anybody else. I understand that. You have issues. We all got issues. And if you don't think you have an issue, that is your issue. Like, we all have them, but the devil wants you to focus only on your hurt, your pain, yourself, so that you can't focus on anybody else because he's trying to keep the message of Jesus Christ silent. But I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is hope. He is healing, and we will not be silent. Even in the midst of our pain, we are going to look for somebody else who's in pain. Amen, somebody? Jesus did this. Write this down. It it keeps us from getting isolated keeps us from getting self-focused, and it keeps us from sinking deeper. Keeps us from sinking deeper. Why is it that when you're going through something, you don't know what to do? And then you have a friend go through something, and you're, you're like the world's best counselor. You turn around, you know exactly what to do. Here's what you need to do. Here's why you need to do it. Don't you see? Can't you see that? No, they can't see it. The pain is blinding them. When you're in pain, you can't see the next steps. Even if somebody gives you the next steps, you, you don't feel like you have the strength to do it. When you can't see what to do, you don't get better. You just sink deeper and deeper and deeper. And God doesn't want you to sink deeper. Matter of fact, he wants to rescue you. That's why we have to live a life that's not focused on us, but it's focused on others. Somebody shout others. others. <clears throat> Write this down. It also keeps us from distorting the, our perspective. It keeps us from distorting our perspective. Because if you're not careful, when you're going through pain, you're going through your worst day, here's what you think. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody understands. Nobody's ever been where I, what I'm doing. Nobody's ever been here before. You start to think nobody gets you, and I'm just telling you it's not true. It's not true. As a matter of fact, that's why many of you, you need to go on this missions trip with us to Nicaragua in July. Because you go on a mission trip, by the way, good news, they've dropped the price down to $1,850 until April the 1st, which I would encourage you to jump on this train. 
we've got about a hundred of us going to over to this nation to love on. But I'm telling you, it's been the missions trips around the globe, Haiti and some of these other places where I, I go. And anytime I start thinking like, man, I'm a, little, I'm a little depressed here in America. You need to go on a mission trip and see a family living under a tarp. Like a whole family, four sticks and a tarp. That's their home. You need to see the pain. And you need to see the agony. And you need to be the answer to somebody else's prayer in another country. You need to to walk with them, to laugh with them, pray with them, and see how content they are with nothing. I'm telling you to change your perspective here in America. We make an impact. We do. But I'll tell you what. It's not nearly the impact that they make on us. We're here to take the message of Jesus around the globe. But I come back, my children come back so grateful. So grateful. Your kids are begging for the next video game system. Take them on a mission trip. That'll shut them up. They'll want to give away their shoes. I'm just telling you, everybody, it does something on the inside. It keeps us from distorting our perspective and thinking that it's all about us. It's not about us. Jesus on the cross was about others. And God meets you here. Here's the mentality. We always wanted me first. Me first. First. I call first. I call dibs. All this stuff that we're calling, it's like in us from a young age. We want the biggest slice of pizza. We want the last ice cream in the, in the ice cream box. We want to be in the front of the line. But the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Here's, here's kind of the, the thought process. The, the thought process is we're all thirsty. Every one of us has need. And here's the world's mentality. The world's mentality is we run to the front of the line to get the drink, and we want to drink. I'm so thirsty. Get me. No, no, back up, back up, back up. It's me, me, me. I need it. I need it. I need a drink. And we're fighting for first place. We're fighting for the drink of water. God just told us if we get to the drinking fountain first, we turn around and we give this drink to somebody else, and we refresh them, God says, I personally will guarantee your refreshment if you refresh others. This will, this will mess you up. This will change the way you race to the front of the line. This will change the way you drink. It will change the way you pray. It will change the way you come to church. It will change the way you live because we're no longer just coming for me, myself, and I. Who can I refresh? Because I know if I do this, God's going to take care of me. God will ordain refreshment over my life. Come on, let's clap better than that if you believe it today. God believes in the principle of putting others first. That's why I love our dream team. They served 500 pastors and leaders this last week. Some of them took off work to come here to bless pastors because we know if we can bless the pastors and give them some hope and healing, they're going to go back and the growth will be exponential as they bless their churches. They get it like the dream team gets it to serve. We don't show up for us. Church becomes really fun when you stop coming just for you. That's when church becomes fun. That's when church becomes exciting. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 58 says it this way, and if you spend yourselves, meaning you're going to spend yourself on something, all of us spend our life, our time, our energy on something. But if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, he says, 
then your light. Like God's going to take care of your light, but you don't have to light yourself. Then your light. Turn it to somebody. Then your light. Then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Listen to me, everybody. Then your light. Your light will be taken care of. Your life will be taken care of after you spend your life giving it away to other people. Listen, you don't have to fight for your right to be first. You need to fight for your right to serve, and God takes care of the rest. Can I hear a good amen? I'd rather God take care of me than me take care of me. I'd rather God, the almighty God, the creator of the universe, I'd rather him bless me than me try to bless myself. It's putting your life in his hand. This is one of the principles of our church. And I know that we don't just need to help you with your problems. We need to give you something that's bigger than your problems. It's like Paul, the apostle Paul in the Bible. If you don't know who he is, he wrote about a third of the New Testament. He was a Christian hater, Christian killer. (coughs) He comes and he gives his life to Jesus Christ. And he'd go on to be one of the greatest missionaries this world will ever know. He was beaten for preaching Jesus. He was whipped he was beaten with rods. He was thrown in jail. He was stoned. And I don't mean like stone. I mean like with rocks, stone, like throat. <laughs> Left for dead. But you couldn't shake Paul. You couldn't, you couldn't get Paul to go off mission for anything. They looked at Paul and they said, Paul, we're going to kill you. His response was, that's cool, to die is game. That's what he said. He said, Paul, we're not going to kill you. We're going to let you live. He said, that's cool to live as Christ. He said, Paul, we're not going to kill you or let you live. We're going to make you suffer. He said, that's cool. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in me. He said, Paul, we're going to kill you. He said, if you kill me, I'm just going to be with Christ. If you let me live, I'm going to live for Christ. And if you make me suffer, I'm just going to get more reward from Christ. So bring it on home. It's all Christ to me. Paul's life was not absent uh, it, didn't, it wasn't absent of problems. He just had something in his life that was bigger than his problems. It was, it was the kingdom of God. It was changing people's lives. And when you have that in your life, you're not focused on you. You're focused on the, fulfilling the calling of Jesus Christ over your life. And you're able to go through anything. Jesus, on a cross, looks at the thief and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Can I tell you, that's why our church is so important. Or, or, make such a uh, focus on our growth track because we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. But that does not just happen. Like most people don't even know why they're here. So I want to encourage you, our growth track starts the beginning of every month. April 2nd, it'll start all over again, either 1015 or 515. And there's four steps, four classes. Today is step three. At 1015 or 515, Every Sunday, you can pick whatever one works for your schedule better, and we want to help you discover these gifts because we know that you won't understand what life is all about until you're serving people. We know how much it helps you and not just how much you help us. Like you joining the dream team, yeah, it's going to help the church, but it does something in you. We know what it does in you. You come alive. Church becomes fun. Life becomes fun because you're making a difference and you're not self-focused. You're others-focused. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, in the message paraphrase, says it this way. All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, 
Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel, He comes alongside us when we all go through hard times. How many know we all go through hard times? And before you know it, watch this. He brings us along someone else who is going through a hard time. So that. Somebody shout, so that. that. Come on, say, so that. that. He brings us along somebody else who's going through a hard time so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We are comforted with his comfort. Then we turn around and comfort others with the same comfort we receive from God. That's the passage. That's the verse. And we're called by God to come along some people to help them. Now, here's another illustration. Let me show you this way. Picture us as a sponge. And I've heard people say this, man, I'm a sponge, Sean. I'm just soaking up everything I can. I just want to learn the Word of God. I want to come to church. I want to get everything that God has for me. This is going to be amazing. Okay, listen, that's a great place to start. The problem is God never meant for you just to sit soaking sour. How many have ever smelled a sponge that had water and stuff in it, sat for several days? What happens to it? It gets hard, kind of like our hearts, and doesn't want to work anymore, and it starts to stink. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. God did not call us to sit, soak, sour, and stink. There's your four-point sermon right there. He wants you to spend your life serving other people, washing the feet of somebody else, looking at somebody else and say, man, I see you hurting. I see you broken. Can I bring over some brownies? Can I watch the kids? Can I pray for you? Can I do something for you? Even in the midst of your pain. I'm telling you, it changes the way you view church. It changes the way you do life. It changes the way you do small groups because the tendency is to come to church just for you to receive. I go to small group just for me to receive. And I'm telling you, that's a good place to start, but it's not the end goal where God wants us to be. The end goal is what can I do for you? Because what happens when you say, Sean, I came to church today because I really needed it. I came to small group today because I really needed it. What about when you don't think you need it? What about when other people need you? What about when other moms need you, other dads need you, other students need you? Do we still show up? We're hanging there in the middle of our problems. Can we, like Jesus, turn and say, listen, today I'm going to be with you. Jesus is hanging on a cross, and he takes time to speak to somebody else. Not because he needed it, but because somebody else needed him. And on top of all this, can I just add that nothing that you've been through is a waste. God takes your pain and he uses that to bless people. Jesus was hanging there and in the middle of his pain, because of his pain, we're blessed. Because of his pain, the thief was blessed. He says, Sean, okay, you've inspired me. Okay, what do I do? Let me tell you how to do this, all right? How do, how do I help people? Primarily through your spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gifts is, if you're new to church, when God created you, he placed certain things inside of you, gifts, abilities, that when you do them, they impact eternity in the life of other people. So so what are those gifts? Here's the tragedy. The tragedy is 87% of the church of Christians don't have any clue what that gift is. So that's why we spend so much time in our growth track. That's why today, again, was, was, was growth track step three, Discovery, we want to give you a spiritual gifts test and a personality test, first of all, to find out if you have one. 
And we, we, we let you know how your personality works with your spiritual gifts so that, so that you can get on the dream team, start to serve somewhere, make a difference in somebody else's life. Because listen, if you don't discover what it is that you're called to, like your spiritual gift, you can't use it. And if you can't use it, you can't, you can't use it to bless other people. You'll never find the refreshing that comes from God by using your gift for other people and to know why you're here. So find it. Get in a small group. Get in our growth track. Let us help you find it because this is how you find purpose. Amen, everybody. I love the fact that God even uses our pain. And if if you're here today and you're walking through a divorce, what better person to talk to than somebody who's walked through a divorce? where God has helped them through it, navigate through it, know how, how to find hope and healing and even restoration. Many times, God has healed the marriage in the process. Wouldn't you rather talk to somebody like that than somebody who has no clue what you're going through? God can use your pain. He can use the, the, your life in many different ways. And let me just tell you, there's purpose in your pain. In those moments of pain, Your heart many times is more open to God than ever before. Here's the guarantee. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And he is able to to work out everything. Listen to me, everybody. The Bible says, and we know that God in all things, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his what? Come on, shout it out, his... It's purpose. God doesn't cause all things, but he can cause good out of all things. I love the phrase, one, one translation says that he makes all things work together. Like there are things in your life that are not pleasant in and of themselves. There's the hurt, there's the pain, there's the abuse. Well, God comes and he makes them work together for good. They don't even want to. The devil doesn't want to work for God, but he has no choice because at the name of Jesus Christ, every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow, and everything must follow God's perfect plan. He says he makes all things work together. He adds his grace. He adds his forgiveness. He adds his healing. It works it all together, and presto, out comes chocolate cake. You think about it. Eggs by themselves, raw eggs, they're not pleasant. Flour by themselves are not pleasant. But you take all of these ingredients, you mix them together, you put them in some fire, and out comes something delicious. God is working something out in your life, even though the individual times in your life have not been pleasant. He will make something out of it. I'm guaranteeing this. I'm telling you. I know you can't see it right now. I know that you can even hardly clap because you're like, I'm not even sure if I believe it. Well, believe it, baby, because God has done it for me. He's done it for people in this church. He's done it before. He will do it again. Some of you are there right now. You're going through something. You feel alone, and you can't even see it, but I'm prophesying into your life. God wants to take your pain. He wants to work good out of it. He wants to bring an end that is glorifying to his name, and one day, listen to me, one day you will turn around, and you will be able to encourage somebody else with your story of God's grace. Number one, write this down. You need to offer them stability. Offer people stability. Jesus said the first part of the statement, assuredly I say to you. Assuredly I say to you. He brought stability in that moment. Because so many people are are unstable and uncertain. He says, I'm looking at you right now, hanging there, in the middle of your problem, in the middle of your worst day, 
And he says, assuredly, I say to you. How many are grateful today that in a world that is always changing, we have a God who does not change? Come on, is there anybody that's grateful that we have a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? He doesn't change like the shifting shadows. He is constant. He is consistent. Even in the middle of your storm, he's, he's still the same. He says, assuredly, I say to you, assuredly, encourage somebody with stability. That's how, how to start this whole process. And the psalmist writes this in Psalm 40, you lifted my feet out. Uh, you, you, you lifted me out of a miry clay. You put my feet on a solid rock. I'm stable. I'm secure. That's what people are looking for. In a world that is chaotic, they're looking for stability. Number two, offer them support. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me. Today you will be with me. Not only am I going to encourage you, I'm going to take the journey with you. Some of you are sitting here right now in the middle of a big old crowd, and you still feel alone. Can I tell you, that's the power of our small groups. Our small groups are one of the, it's some of the best stuff at our church. Sundays are great. We're going to always do Sundays, always do the weekend, because heaven and hell are realities, and we want to reach as many people as possible. But I'm telling you, you connect in a small group gathering. You can go to our website, find so many small groups that are, are meeting for different reasons, different times. Meet with these people once a week. That's where you develop relationship. That's where people are pastored. I'm telling you, you need to get in a small group. Ecclesiastes 4 tells it this way. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two, say two. Two can stand back to back and conquer. And three, say three. Three, they're even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Can you do me a favor? Turn to the person beside you. Look them right in, your, in the eyes. Come on, look them right in the eye. It's a little awkward. And just tell them I got your back. Come on, tell them I got your back. Turn to the person you ignored. Tell them I got your back too. I had to have his back first. But I got your back too. You need a small group of people that's got your back. When you go to the hospital, it's the small group that comes at the visit. It's the small group that brings a meal. It's the small group that prays. It's the small group. It's the small group. Weekends, small groups. Weekends, small groups. Both are important for your spiritual journey. Jesus said, today, you're going to be with me. You're going to be with me. I was stuck in Africa one time and uh, lost my passport. I was speaking in Durban. I know I spoke like 13 times in a week. I was so tired. I put my passport in the plane seat in front of me, and the plane took off without me, and they didn't come back. I was stuck there for 24 hours. But thank God, the pastor where I spoke, his son lived in Johannesburg. His son was the, he, the owner of all the thrifty dollar rent-a-car places for the entire South Africa area. He said, no problem. You can stay with me. Went to his house. The next day, drove into work with him. He had hundreds of employees. He just pointed to one. He was like, hey, take this guy to the U.S. Embassy. He's an idiot. He lost his passport. He didn't say that out loud. But I know he's thinking it. I got my passport, came back, took me to the airport, flew home, no problem. Can I tell you, I would have been stuck if I was by myself. But I was so glad that I had a friend who could come along and say, you can stay with me. I'll be here with you. I know you're in a foreign land. I know you don't know what to do, but I'm with you. That's what God does for us, and that's what we need to do for somebody else. We need to say, today, you're going to sit with me. Today, you're going to pray with me. Today, you're coming to church with me. I want to be there. Today, I've got your back. Today, you'll be with me. Number three, offer them salvation. 
stability, offer them support, and offer them salvation. It's the best thing you can do. He said, today you'll be with me. Where? In paradise. Even on the cross, Jesus was thinking of others. God can, God, God can rescue you from fill in the blank. Whatever you're in need of, He is the rescuer. Jesus is the answer to any equation. This is the same thing that Jesus, the Bible says that it was the joy that was set before Him. This was the beginning of that joy. When He could look at that man and say, today you'll be with me. Jesus looks at this man and says, listen, I know you're going through a tough day. Guess what? I'm going through a tough day too. But I'm going to be with you. And today, I want you to let you know, heaven's coming. Look at me, everybody. You can put your things away in a minute. Heaven is coming. We live in such a world that is so focused on the present and the now, and we forget that we are living for eternity. I love the, the, the older saints in church because they all, it seems like all their songs are about heaven. We need more songs about heaven. Not just God bless me, bless me right now. He, he wants to bless you now, but he's more interested in your eternity. He died for your eternity. We need to come to a place where we understand John chapter 14 that says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus is talking. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Heaven is what we're living for. And Jesus is thinking about you. Even on his worst day, he's thinking about others. Today you'll be with me in paradise. There's another statement Jesus said. In John chapter 19, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple, he loved, that's John. He said to her, dear woman, here's your son, pointed at John. And he said to his disciple, here's your mother. And from then on, watch this, the disciple took her into his home. Look at me, everybody. Jesus loves pairing people together. People who are hurting, he says, I want to put you in a small group. Let me introduce you to your family. Who is he calling you to? Who in your life has God put a divine flow with? Who in your life, your small group that God has given you a burden for, who is it that he's putting you together? Can you see them? Because he's always thinking about you and others, and he wants to pair you together. Because Jesus is a Savior. It's who He is. He's an anchor in our storm. So we don't lose our mind. He's there. He's our peace. He's our comfort. He's our joy. And I, I'm telling you, when you connect to Jesus Christ, immediately He's going to connect you to people. Can't say we love God and hate people. That doesn't work that way. Jesus is the head of the church. And the church is His body. Listen to me. Listen to me. You can't decapitate Jesus. I just love Jesus, but I don't like the church at all. That's not okay with him because he's the head of this body. So begin to think, who can you introduce to God? Because the best thing I can get you to know is salvation. Maybe you're here today. You say, Sean, I haven't surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, but I like to do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, in the quietness of this moment, I'd love to lead you in a commitment prayer that you could pray right now. Right here right now. Maybe you say, Sean, I'm, I'm going through something and I need 
God to be first in my life. I've been looking to other people, other things, and he's not number one. Can I encourage you right here today to give your life to him in this commitment prayer? I'm not going to have you stand to come to the front. We don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to connect you to a life-giving relationship with Jesus. If this is you in the family worship room or here or watching online, if this is you, you say, Sean, count me in that prayer when you pray it. I want to give my life to Jesus. Or I've strayed. I need to recommit my life to God. On the count of three, just lift your hand up right where you are. One, two, three. Come on, lift it up. This is me. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of hands. Lots of Come on, let's really clap our hands, everybody. So grateful. Listen, you're why we're here. As we pray this, just pray this out loud in unison. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Today I ask you to forgive me from my sin and wash me clean. From this day forward, I belong to you. Forgive me from all of my past. Help me to connect to my future. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you now. Father, I pray for everybody who is going through something. I don't know what it is, but Lord, you do. Marriage, health, relationships, finance, bullying. You know, and you are there. And I just pray that, Lord, you would come to rescue. Help them to look to you in this time. And I thank you that you're not going to waste it. But Lord, you're turning it around for good. And I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that one day this story will be able to help others. I just have this word for somebody in the room. I was in a restaurant that turned around so slowly, you could barely even tell it's moving. But it turned a full rotation in Dallas many years ago in one hour. Here's what the Lord's saying to you. Just because you can't see it's turning doesn't mean it's not moving. Some of you are there. You're like, I don't even see it. I, I can't even, I don't even feel like it's moving. Nothing's changing. It is changing because God's at work. Trust him. Stay faithful to God. And you will understand that he wants to turn this around. So God, I bless this church with great grace as they walk through their journey. Thank you that we're not alone, that you're with us that our church family's with us, and that you bless every small group now in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody give a good, God a big shout of praise and say amen. Come on, come, let's clap our hands for everybody who prayed that prayer today.